Welcome to Rocket Ship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome apps. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and if you're watching this video, you already see today's guest, which is Thor, who has worked as Stripe and is currently the DevRel and DX guy at Superbase. Welcome, Thor. Thanks, uh, Simon. Yes. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I was just waving. Doing the, the, the <laughs> yeah. Asian peace uh, peace <laughs> sign. <laughs> the, the funny thing about Thor is, so uh, for, first of all, the first time I met Thor online, we talked for like 15 minutes until Thor said a word. And I was like, nobody who's not from Germany can say that word this way. You're from Germany. And then we switched over to Germany, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Uh, you're from Germany. And there's a second realization I had barely minutes before this podcast so i kept telling my wife and everyone that oh i'm doing a podcast with thor and they're like oh that's such a cool name and then i looked into linkedin and <laughs> i gotta tell this to people now it's official <laughs> thor is actually running by the very boring german name torsten so austin <laughs> <laughs> so how did you came up with thor like when did you adopt that yeah i mean so the thing is torsten um I mean, you know, in Germany, totally fine. Everyone, everyone knows that name, knows how to pronounce it. But I found actually, it was when I was studying abroad in in Ireland in Dublin. Um, I was doing Erasmus kind of um, back during my my studies, and uh, I found that people were struggling to a pronounce Torsten, mm. uh, and b because of that, also they wouldn't remember um, the name. And so, you know, Torsten basically just means Thor's stone, uh, Torsten. Um, ah. So, so that's actually the meaning. The meaning of the name is Thor's stone. Um, and so I was like, you know, might as well just shorten it to Thor, and everyone remembers Thor. So it was just kind of a <laughs> somewhat, um, you know, back then not too strategic. It was just kind of ah, uh, I was annoyed of everyone forgetting my name, and so I was like, okay, Thor. Uh, everyone remembers that, and just kind of um yeah it's been kind of my personal brand sort of ever ever since i actually have i have my hammer here as well oh nice <laughs> you, you also um, have these like um is it like singapore letters in your twitter name uh, do they stand for something as well yeah so it's uh chinese characters um okay. which basically lation um is the the chinese for thunder god ah, um, okay. so <laughs> I, i you know when i moved to singapore I, i just kind of learned how to sort of introduce myself in uh, mandarin and then i just chose my mandarin name as thunder god um yeah that's very enough, so. humble very very humble of you I think. exactly so, <laughs> but i can totally feel the <laughs> what's your nation <laughs> uh, i can i can totally feel the, the naming change um my family name was also was Reimler. Which is like in, in German, I have to pronounce it because like if there an E or not or what are the letters. And when I married my wife, uh, I just took her name basically most of the like for the comfort because it's now Grimm uh, and sure. everyone knows Grimm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. also so like it's a brother's Grimm. Um, so people can hopefully remember that. But this is also going to be an episode people will hopefully remember as we will talk about Superbase. Um, I've been a big fan of Superbase for years. I think I've been one of the really early adopters. I never recently used it in like a whole lot of production apps, but um, I stumbled upon it years ago. Uh, I used it for some tutorials and I really saw that that was really cool uh, after using Firebase for years. And we will get more into Superbase, what it means, some differences to Firebase, and especially also what it means for React Native as you've been on a streak of great content. You basically created all the content I would usually create, uh, really, those type of like Apple sign in with Superbase, uh, do whatever, sign in with Superbase, <laughs> push uh, notifications with Superbase and Expo. It's really like great content. Uh, and you can hopefully share a few things about that. But before we get into all of that, could you first of all explain um, quickly what you did in the past at, at Stripe? Because that was also like a big name in your uh, CV and what you're now doing at Superbase. Because a lot of people are DevRel and to be honest, I still don't exactly know what they're doing. I think most of the time, They also don't know. They just do their best to make everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, I mean, I can. I'm not sure how far I should go back, but yeah, Stripe. I originally joined Stripe. Uh, it's like early 2016 uh, in in Dublin. Um, so I was kind of on the back of uh, actually finishing up my my studies. Oh, nice. Um, and a friend of mine, funnily enough, a, a childhood friend that I grew up uh, with in like Schwetzingen. 
in Germany, you know, like probably one of the most <laughs> German towns ever. It's close to Heidelberg. It's it's quite nice. It's uh, there's a castle there and, and stuff. Um, but so yeah, this like childhood school friend that I grew up with from across the road, and I used to do like you know in in high school we used to do like social clubs and activities together. Um, and so he joined Stripe quite early on um, in running like the, the Germany business in, in Berlin, kind of building building the Germany business there. And so he knew that I had studied in Erasmus in Dublin and he sent me a message um, on like Facebook back in the day when, <laughs> when that was still a thing. And he was like, oh, hey, do you know any like technical native German speakers in Dublin? Uh, and I literally just had moved back to Dublin at that time. Um, it's like two weeks, you know, he, he didn't know that. And I was like, hello, um, <laughs> like you're basically describing me, um, you know, what's up? And so it turned out that at that time they were looking for the first German speaking hire in um, Dublin to like build up kind of the German speaking support team um, mm. back then. And it was super interesting. I mean, like the Dublin team at that time was like 15 people in a co-working space next to like the Guinness Brewery and like Thomas Street. Um, <laughs> and then it, it just grew really, really quickly. And so um, I think, yeah, you know, as as with many things, like you got to have a, a lot of luck in timing, kind of, you know, timing and place. There's a lot of luck involved um, in that. And so I, I was lucky to sort of be there when Stripe was kind of growing the Europe business. Um, and, and so got got involved with that. And so I, I had um, a lot of firsts at Stripe, which was really nice. So like I set up the first Wi-Fi in like the Stripe Dublin office, you know, like when we moved into um, like the building, kind of the, the official Stripe building that, that they are still in um, now. It was it was terrible. You know, there's construction going on. The Wi-Fi would like constantly drop. Um, but yeah, it's, that's like one of the first, um, which was quite nice. Or I was head of bins, um, not card <laughs> bins, but uh, garbage bins. So I, you know, twice a week I would I would bring out the bins um, at Stripe, which was which was fun. You know, it was a, like good time. Do whatever is necessary. It's, it's so good if you leave behind like a little legacy. Um, funny story at my my last job I had. I've only been there for three months because I quit in the like initial period and went uh, self employed. But on like my second or third day, I just set up Slack because I said, hey, we used Slack before. You, you here, you need Slack. And they're still using it to until today. <laughs> so that's like my yeah. legacy I left behind. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, so so that's that's been a really, really nice period. And I mean, Stripe was grow growing like crazy at that time. And so I was lucky that kind of as one of the first um, sort of technical or, you know, software engineers by trade or like technical hires in Europe, I was then sort of um, able to build out a lot of the, the you know, like customer facing engineering role. So like at that time, all of the like product engineering was centralized in San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, still with, with Stripe at that time. And so I got lucky that, um, you know, just kind of a lot of the early sort of like support engineering, field engineering, um, customer engineering, solutions, architecture, sort of anything that's sort of like technical interfacing with the customer. And, um, you know, I, I got to like work with big marketplaces like Shopify and like fly out to their head headquarters in, in Canada and like help them implement um, like the, the European payment methods, you know, oh, when, yeah. when that kind that of became a, a thing as yeah. they were. Yeah, as they were launching kind of in, into the European markets. Um, and so kind of, yeah, basically a lot of these sort of roles that interface closely with the product development on the one hand, kind of internally, but then also kind of customer facing. Um, yeah, I generally just call them customer facing engineering roles. Um, and with that, that was actually the first time I, I got to go to Singapore as well, because um, like Singapore, the team at that time was like, 2017 the team here was um eight people with stripe you know it's kind of like um early dublin days and um i was the closest technical person you know because it's sort of like europe singapore it's actually closer than like <laughs> singapore us and so they were like oh hey thor can you help like grab you know grab is like the uber um of of uh southeast asia can you like help grab implement 3d secure payments like for some reason they have like fraud and you know they like mm. want 3d secure payments um and so that that was the first time i got to visit singapore and i just um 
I got really lucky that like in the three weeks that I was here kind of helping the customer integrate um, the team here, you know, like eight people, like some new hires as well. Um, we, uh, we like went for a team offsite in Bali, um, oh, nice. you know, and so I kind of got to experience sort of this, like, um, you know, Singapore, like, okay, flying off to Bali for like the weekend for the long weekend, kind of that lifestyle. And I was like, holy, holy crap. I, I gotta actually move here and like figure out how, how to do this. And, uh, yeah, I think fast forward that sort of happened in 2019. Uh, I moved here, then COVID happened. Um, and then actually through some old Stripe um, friend that I actually went to Bali with and on that offsite, he introduced me to uh, Paul and Ant, um, like in, in early 2020 when they first started working Paul on... Paul and Ant on are the CEO and CTO of Superbase just for... The Correct. Notes. Yeah. So the the co-founders Paul generally goes by Couple. Um, so if you see him on on Twitter, Kiwi Couple, um, and Ant. Yeah. And so it's funny. I met them. Like he brought them. Um, so our 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 friend, like my ex colleague at Stripe, he brought them into the Stripe office uh, for lunch. Um, and we basically sat down and they told me about the idea of Superbase. You know, it's <laughs> like, ah, it's like Firebase. But, you know, like with Postgres and SQL, and I was like, ah, that's that sounds stupid. You know, that's, that's a terrible idea. Like front-end developers hate SQL. Like that will never fly. You know, that's such a stupid uh, idea. And I was basically oh, that's the best just... indicator for a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I was basically just shitting all over the idea um, at that time. And, um, you know, at that time, I only had just moved to, to Singapore and I was like traveling a lot sort of, getting to know the local markets. And um, so I actually didn't look further into it at that time, which, you know, my my bad luck. But then, you know, COVID happened and like everything locked down. Um, and actually at that time when we first met, they didn't have uh, auth either. So there, there was no auth on, on, on the stack at that time. And then after the COVID lockdown, so this was um, summer of 2020, and this was when they were uh, in the Y Combinator um, batch. Mm, because of mm -hmm. COVID, they were doing it virtually from Singapore, actually, mm, the, mm -hmm. the, the Y Combinator. Um, and so we met again for for coffee and they told me, oh, yeah, we actually added auth and like someone, you know, launched us on Hacker News. And now we have like 800 databases, you know, and it's like, Ooh, wow, OK, that, 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 there must be something there. But for me, it was like, OK, auth is like this this hard part that like everyone implementing Stripe struggles with. Like everyone, you know, like Stripe makes it super easy. Take the credit card, save it as a customer object. But then now you have this customer object, but you got to figure out that the person who is locked in is actually the one who is this customer and who owns this card. So like Stripe doesn't help you with that, right? Like, no. um, so that's something you have to figure out for yourself. And so it's like, yeah, this is something that a lot of, you know, especially indie hackers and kind of struggle with. So I sat down, I was like, okay, just implemented like a simple, you know, card like take the card, save it to the database and, you know, like authorization with Superbase, simple like kind of card management, you know, just save your card to to the back end um, demo with Superbase. And I was like, oh, damn, this is actually like the easiest auth with like a database that I've ever implemented. And I was yeah. like, okay, from that point, I was just like all in. It was great because we were just kind of, you know, every Friday we'd sit together in like a cafe in, in Singapore and we just, you know, five people around the table hacking on this. Um, so, yeah. But um, DevRel, okay. <laughs> what does that have to do with DevRel? Yeah, I think DevRel or just maybe the broader term like developer experience, um, you know, DX, I, I see like developer relations as part of um, developer experience. And um, I think actually Lee Robinson from, from Vercel He's built a great team over there, uh, and he has a, has a really good blog post on this, sort of um, how he defines developer experience and what that kind of means. And um, uh, I think there's also a term of like the um, uh, experience engineering, you know, mm -hmm, that's sort yeah. of um, um, what we're doing. And, um, you know, another one is uh, another great blog post is um, Swix. Uh, Swix actually here from Singapore, a good friend. Um, he's in the US now, unfortunately. I used to play tennis with him during uh, COVID times when he actually moved home. <laughs> good time. Wasn't um, he doing like a lot of swelt kit as well or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, um, he was uh, doing like... 
originally like Netlify, right? I think that's kind of how, how maybe, he yeah, um, sort of did, did the DX. Uh, I think he built like the CLI at Netlify and a bunch of things there. Uh, then eventually went to like AWS, um, I think Amplify for a while. But yeah, he, he's been generally doing, you know, like um, React stuff and, and um, yeah, Svelte stuff and just general kind of front end um, things. And now, you know, most recently kind of the AI uh, engineer sort of stuff and, and the conference in San Francisco as well um, that we went to. But he has a great blog as well on like um, developer relations topics. And he has a really good blog post uh, on measuring developer relations, which um, sort of divides kind of developer relations into these three pillars that, that I like um, to think about is sort of the, um, the product side of things. So anything that kind of makes the product easier to use. Uh, and specifically, you know, for us, that means um, not necessarily building the core product. So we sometimes contribute to, to parts, but like we're not, you know, contributing to the infra mm. um, yeah. project Makes really. Sense. Like those guys know, know what they are doing, you know, but like we build um, some like client libraries, you know, we contribute to like the Superbase CLI. So anything that just kind of makes the experience for developers of, you know, a certain category. Um, so for example, React Native developers, you know, like that was sort of my focus um, most recently, like, okay, how can we make sure that sort of the developer experience um, is the best for kind of these developers um, in kind of the React Native ecosystem. And that starts with, okay, how do we make sure that like Superbase JS has like the correct storage um, interface that can be used on like React Native, right? That's kind of the, the first thing to start with. And then you have kind of all these different, you know, native um, mm -hmm. authentication methods and like push notifications, kind of all these things, you know, that play into it. Um, and so there's, yeah, the product side of things. So where we built kind of client libraries or, you know, CLI, kind of anything that interacts with the product or like sits on top of the product. Um, and kind of makes that experience easier, but then also the documentation um, or in general kind of educational content. And so that is, you know, documentation, right, yeah, yeah. that is videos, that is, you know, blog posts, what have you. Um, and then sort of the third pillar being kind of the community um, side mm -hmm. of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of work that goes into, into that as well. But, uh, I mean, we've been really lucky as well with... Um, a lot of different communities actually embracing uh, Superbase. And um, so I, I love to kind of say we're, we're building sort of this community of communities um, because there's just so, you know, when you're having a database, which is kind of a very crucial piece to a lot of different, you know, developers and what they are building. Um, and so... Yeah, I think yeah, that's I, kind I of... found this really funny because when, when you're on Twitter in certain bubbles, it kind of feels like people really love Superbase. Um, they not just write about it in terms like, okay, Angular versus React or Next is cool or whatever. Like, it feels like there's a different spirit behind the whole Superbase community. I don't know exactly where this is coming from, um, and I, I can't really quantify it, but it's just a vibe that I get. Is that what, what you notice internally as well? Is it probably because of all the indie makers picking Superbase or... Yeah, I think that definitely plays um, plays a role. I think similar to like how it was at Stripe. So at Stripe, the philosophy very much was if you build like a product that has a really, really good developer experience um, and you just kind of create, you know, the individual developer who loves your product, um, you know, they will talk about it. They will mm -hmm. basically, you know, do open source projects around it. They will tell their friends, you know, they so like for Stripe, um, like in the early days, Stripe didn't have any marketing, right? Like the, the yeah. Stripe marketing was word of mouth and press, like that was it. And and so uh, I think we've been quite lucky that um, it feels quite similar at Superbase where we focus on sort of that developer experience and making that kind of a, a great experience so that people are happy to talk about it. And, and I think that, um, you know, we're very fortunate that we kind of have found um, that mm -hmm. fit. Uh, and then I think in combination with, you know, who, who could have known the meme, the meme marketing, I don't know if that's like <laughs> oh, the official, yeah. official term now, but um, that is a very specific skill as well. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the credit here goes to, to Ant, uh, Ant Wilson, who, who, who actually is maybe like the, you know, at least at Superbase, sort of the godfather of the, the meme marketing, um, 
because it, it is such a specific skill, you need to be highly technical to like kind of come up with you know the humor behind it. But then also you need you need to have that very specific um, humor. So it actually is a is a is a crazy kind of skill set to have like developer meme marketing. Um. <laughs> I, I've been there as well. I tried it a few times. I actually had a few successful memes, but it's unbelievable hard to like yeah. stay, stay on top of the game. Like I know a lot of memes from, from years of knowledge, but there are like always new memes coming up. I mean, for a while I was following PewDiePie and his meme review and you had like all the, all the new stuff, but at some point I just couldn't follow and I, you really need to spend time on like, what's the latest meme and then how can I combine this with a technical idea? Sometimes you have a technical idea and you search for the meme. But anyway, we're already pretty deep down in, in Superbase and in DevRel and everything. I just want to take a moment to take like five steps back to a broad overview about Superbase for everyone who has not, maybe not used it, not heard about it before. So when I got in touch with Superbase, I knew your headline was Superbase is the Firebase open source alternative. It is still in your subtitle, but you changed it. Like the, the header is now built in a weekend scale to millions, which I guess targets kind of like indie makers, but tells the story of you can also build something really great with us. But fr from the outside perspective, people generally know about Firebase because it's been the first really great tool. But, but, but what is the difference between Firebase and Superbase, if you can like easily tell us the, the different elements? Yeah. Yeah, I think actually, um, you know, it, it's funny because sometimes people tell us like, oh, you shouldn't have, you know, called this the open source alternative to Firebase. It's like nothing like Firebase, you know, it's, it's, um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a terrible tagline. And, you know, some people's like, I, I didn't use Superbase for years because you associated it with Firebase, but like, <laughs> this is actually great. And they're like, yeah, sorry. But, you know, just the, the simple fact is that uh, it's kind of a Y Combinator thing where you sort of come up with, you know, like the um, X alternative to Y sort of kind of kind of that, right? Like, oh, that's like, um, a, like a specific thing in Y Combinator. Yeah, I think like you see that a lot with, with kind of Y Combinator type companies. So, so sort of this like very, very brief elevator, you know, not even elevator pitch. It's like the it elevator door opening pitch, right? Um, so like you convey a lot of information um, to like your target audience with, you know, a very short uh, tagline. And then also, you know, like for us in terms of SEO, it was just, it was the killer, you know, like it, it, it literally created so much traffic, um, this tagline that, uh, you know, I think that that is the main reason why we, why we've been holding on for it so long, because it just really performed um, so well. But yeah, um, it is, you know, an alternative to Firebase in that sense that, you know, what you do with Firebase is generally you, you use it as a backend, as a service to kind of build your web or mobile applications, right? And you generally use it for, you know, sort of structured data. So, you know, in that case, it's a NoSQL kind of data store. Um, uh, you use it for authentication. You use it for file storage. Um, you know, you use it for some kind of function runtime things. So generally, yeah, backend as a service. So in that sense, you know, it's true, like Superbase is an, is an open source Firebase alternative. Um, but, you know, other way, otherwise, it is, you know, not a NoSQL uh, database. So it, it very much a SQL database, relational database. Um, the foundation of kind of everything at Superbase is Postgres. Um, and Postgres, you know, likely for 95% of projects that you're building, Postgres will be kind of a good, a good choice. You know, there, there are certain scenarios like... Um, like rate limiting and kind of kind of things like that where you know a relational database just doesn't make sense right and that's where you choose something like redis on top of it or you know besides it um generally but um you know for most applications uh, in most scenarios like um postgres will be a good choice and the reason we we chose postgres is um Postgres is incredibly powerful and Postgres itself is actually kind of a, a marketplace um, because you have kind of all these extensions that, that exist on top of Postgres. And so, um, you know, things as well, like the role level security policies, this is um, a native kind of built in thing within Postgres. Um, and so in a way, you know, Postgres is kind of the cheat code to Superbase that kind of is the foundation 
Um, and, you know, we generally like to say kind of, you know, we're cheating by using the power of Postgres, you know, where like some of our competitors have like built their own kind of databases or, you know, made them like serverless databases or things like that. We're all in on Postgres and really giving you kind of the full power of Postgres, which also means like if you're building a Ruby on Rails application that you used to run on like Heroku, right? Like you can use Superbase for that because we give you the full kind of Postgres instance, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but then what we're doing is basically on top of Postgres, we give you an entire open source stack of useful tools um, that, that you might need. And so that is, for example, for authentication is um, the GoTrue server. So GoTrue is, is you know, an authentication server originally written by Netlify um, actually for the Jamstack world. Um, if you can believe that, you know, that, that used to <laughs> used to exist a couple of years ago, Jamstack. Um, and so it's an open source project. Uh, we've since kind of uh, forked off uh, from that, uh, but of course still, still open source. Um, and so that is what we're using to um, generate the sessions and the, the you know, JWT-based um, user sessions. Uh, and then obviously these are stored on an authentication schema in the Postgres database. So Postgres is your foundation. Um, and then, you know, you have the authentication that sits on top of it. Um, you have the file storage. And then the file storage plugs again in um, with uh with the Postgres database in that all the metadata, so all the structured data about your files um, are stored in Postgres in, in a storage schema. And then that again plugs together with the authentication component where you can then restrict access to files based on the metadata using role level security policy. So, um, you know, we have kind of this, this idea, A, uh, everything is open source. Uh, B, kind of every part of Superbase needs to be useful on its own as well as self-hostable on its own. Um, but then when you put all the pieces together, when pl- you plug it all together, it becomes a force mul- multiplier. So um, every piece of the Superbase stack is usable and useful and self-hostable on its own. But once you plug all the pieces together, um, it just becomes such a force multiplier. And so again, with like the edge functions uh, runtime, so that's open source Dino runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so we chose Dino back then um, as well, because you know it is a fully open source, which allows you to actually do uh, a self-hostable experience as well as like a local experience that is uh, completely identical to like the hosted experience. And then again, you have the authentication that plugs in um, with the edge runtime and with the database. So you can connect to the database from the edge runtime. You have things like database webhooks um, where you can actually mm-hmm. trigger functions from the database. And so, you know, everything is is its own. Everything is open source, mm-hmm. but everything is connected. And so that's kind of, um, I guess, the idea. Yeah. It, it, it's not the elevator pitch, but it's the ex- extended elevator pitch, I guess. So, yeah, so, that, that was a lot a lot that I would like to unpack. Um, by the way, in the meantime, I looked up. So, uh, Simon was an early adopter. It was March 2021 that I uh, released how to integrate Superbase in your Ionic app. So, if you said you started summer 2020, uh, March 2021 was pretty early, I guess, um, yeah. for Superbase. Um, I still remember at that time, as I said, you were like the alternative to Firebase and people kind of disliked Firebase for different reasons. Uh, sometimes you were not sure like how much you're going to pay. Uh, there were articles like, oh, I lost like $30,000 because I made a wrong query to my database. Um, but you were still limited at that point. I remember there was like the database and I think, yeah, not even authentication in the beginning that came soon after. And people always said like, yeah, I don't know, uh, should we use Superbase? It, it doesn't have everything. At this point right now here in, I guess this episode is going live in 2024, <laughs> um, does Superbase cover everything that Firebase has or are there reasons why people could like still say, ah, I want to, I would pick Firebase over Superbase. I would not make the, the thing about NoSQL versus SQL um, because that's like, yeah. By the way, hmm. Simon always used NoSQL simply because it was too lazy to create like SQL statements and stuff. I just used MongoDB all the time. It worked for me and that's like the maker spirit. If it works, why should I change it? But yeah. uh, I've been convinced different now. So is it um, like on par with Firebase at this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Um 
I mean, there are certain parts, right? Like the Firebase suite is uh, pretty extensive. And um, there are certain parts, like, for example, push notifications, where, um, and I think I actually read this earlier, and I need to look up if this is, is true, that some court actually now ruled that um, the Google Play Store is a monopoly. Um, and if that is the case, then it might actually change like the pricing structure um, soon enough if, if it's actually ruled to be you know, a monopoly that needs to be break, broken up. Um, but so similar, you know, to like the, the Play Store. So if you want to send a push notification to an application that is distributed through the Play Store, you have to use Firebase cloud messaging. Mm -hmm. Like right. there is no other way to do this, um, right? And so... That I was mean, there are services me. like like OneSignal and stuff, but you always have to come back to yeah. this one FCM ID from Firebase. <laughs> exactly, and actually, for me, when I when I when I started looking into um, React Native, that was like I I didn't actually realize that was the case. I was like, you know, I got WebSockets, I got you know what? what can, <laughs> and nice it, try. It blew my mind. It was like, oh wow, okay, no, this is actually um, yeah, you have to use Apple push notification like. Yes, in terms of like protecting the consumer and the consumer device, you know, yes, it, it does make sense that you have a standard and, you know, like if everyone were to implement their own push stuff, you know, the, the battery life of um, your phone would be very bad. But mm -hmm. um, it was still kind of mind boggling to me. So, yeah. So, for example, something like push notifications, you know, we're thinking about. Um, like a foreign data wrapper kind of thing where um, you can actually then trigger push notifications via like SQL queries. But, you know, you would still basically provide your like Apple credentials and your Google um, cloud messaging credentials. You would put them in like the Superbase vault, um, but then you could use like a foreign data wrapper to basically just um, trigger push notifications by writing SQL. Um, so that's that's kind of something we're, we're thinking about. Would probably be interesting, that's... but I would also think it's like an edge case for Superbase. Like not everyone's using Superbase is doing mobile yeah. apps. No. Um, no, that's true. Although like mobile apps are an interesting use case because um, mobile developers tend to be quite sticky customers. And then also thanks to the app stores, they actually have easier ways to monetize um, their applications often, oftentimes. And so mobile developers actually sometimes make better, better customers um, for us, which is interesting as well, because, you know, like if you take something like the, the whole web ecosystem now is like going back to the PHP days, you know, like everything's yeah, yeah. going back to the server, um, which is quite interesting. So, you know, we used to have the kind of Jamstack, world where you would have your APIs and then you would have your clients and then they would, you know, do the HX thing and, you know, get their stuff through the APIs. So now that is like, forget that, you know, Next.js is now React server components and all of that. And um, it's an interesting movement. I like to call it sort of the, the back to PHP movement. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 I get it, but like at the same time, so um, by kind of doing that, and now you're sort of fetching, you know, all the data actually server side, right? You don't actually need an API anymore. Um, and so actually what a lot of these frameworks, um, so if you look at like kind of these new um, React stacks, uh, oftentimes people use things like Drizzle, you know, kind of these like mm -hmm. type safe ORMs or Prisma or kind of these things. Uh, and these ORMs, they connect directly to the database, um, meaning you don't actually need an API. Yeah. Um, in a way, you're kind of, you know, because you're doing server components, you're, you actually don't really have an API anymore. You kind of render your thing server-side, um, which on the, on, on the flip side also makes your database provider very interchangeable, right? Like if you're using something like Trizzle, um, you can plug in any, like, you know, planet scale, yeah, uh, Neon. Any MySQL, few, yeah. Postgres. Yeah, you can plug in anything that has a connection string, right? Like pretty easily. And so a lot of the, the power of like the entire Superbase stack, so a lot of the power of like the role level security policies and like the authentication, kind of all this interconnectedness um, kind of goes away with sort of that approach. And so uh, mobile developers are great because they actually, in a way, live in the Jamstack world, because they have their static, you know, clients, 
that then need to use some sort of API to get components, to get um, data. Uh, and so actually what I didn't mention earlier is, is that Superbase gives you an auto-generated API, um, both a REST API as well as a GraphQL API um, to interact with your database directly from the client site. And so that's actually what makes Superbase such a great fit for something like React Native or mobile applications in, in general, um, because you actually get kind of the whole server environment, kind of the secure server environment in the form of a scalable serverless API um, rather than having to build that yourself. Yeah, I think that's actually what, what brought me to Firebase like in 2014 or something. Like I just want to build my app and focus on, on the app and see quick results. And I don't want to spin up a Node.js API or, or Java or whatever. Um, and plugging in Firebase was so unbelievable easy at that time. It was yeah. really like, at that point, it was still new. And I had a, a conference talk about this, like, and, and in that conference talk in like about 45 minutes, I built this cloud to do application and everyone was like, wow, this is amazing. And now we got Superbase and all the alternatives and we just <laughs> accept them as like, yeah, cool, they exist. Um, but you should really like stop for a moment and say like, this is really amazing. Like it takes probably 10 minutes to integrate Superbase and authentication in your React Native app. It's like, it's really that easy. You won't have all the functionalities, but like 75%, you're going to probably get automatically out of the box. So um, I got still got a long list of questions for you because um, as you just mentioned, go, going back to PHP, there's also a trend in React Native or in, in the mobile world of going offline first again with the database mm. simply because it gives a better user experience. Like everything happens at a snap and then you update stuff in the background. Not even because like people don't have a connection in like in some countries that's the case, but like in Europe, US, you usually have a connection, but it's just making the apps a whole lot faster if you have an offline first database approach and then replicate it back. Um, I know you had a post with Dominic, who's also from Germany. I think Dominic was also on the podcast. We talked about that as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you had a post Benedict, on Superbase. Right? Benedict, oh yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Um, are you planning anything like from the Superbase side that targets offline first? Because I think when I used Firebase, there was like also offline caching. You could just enable this with something. Do you plan something with that with Superbase for React Native? Yeah, um, it's a good question. And um, the unfortunate thing with like the, the whole offline first is there there are a lot of different ways of approaching this problem. Mm. And when you actually boil down to um, the whole conflict resolution side of things, um, it actually becomes quite quite challenging. Um, so yes, we are looking into um, a couple different ways to sort of build that directly into um, something like the, the JavaScript client libraries or the mobile client libraries. But um, it's not something that, that will happen, you know, very soon. Um, so the thing is, there are some, like, you know, if you really care about, like, the offline first um, approach, there are, like, certain um, certain ways to achieve this. You know, some with, like, WatermelonDB as an example. Mm -hmm. um, there's PowerSync, which is, is um, kind of a paid service that, that is focusing on this experience specifically. Um, I think Electric SQL is, is an interesting one that I haven't um, dug into it uh, too much yet. Uh, that, that seems quite promising. So... There are a couple of players that are specifically looking at this um, at this right now. Um, then there are a couple of open source projects. Um, another one is uh, Legend State, um, oh, yeah. which is a very interesting one. So they actually built, um, uh, I think, the the offline kind of syncing with with Firebase, uh, and they are looking at kind of doing the same thing with with uh, Superbase as well. Um, so Legend State is an interesting project to, to kind of keep eyes on. Um, and was there another one? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, um, I think like React Query and like React Query in combination with like use cache helpers. So like there's a there's a <laughs> bunch of open source projects kind of looking at this. And so, um, yeah, I think the short answer is we're, we're looking at it, um, but it's not going to be a native super based solution anytime soon. Yeah, fair enough. But um, I would I would hope to see something in in the future because all the setup I've seen so far is like 
it's as complicated as it sounds. <laughs> that's that's basically yeah. my assumption about it. Um, I want to talk more about Superbase in combination with Expo, but I also have a lot of questions. So I just want to give you a few questions and you're going to give me short answers uh, so we can <laughs> wrap them up. I, I appreciate try. <laughs> all, all the great answers I had so far, but I really want to uh, have some answers too. Okay, for, so first of all, uh, Firebase is, of course, like your competitor. I don't know if you would internally call it competitor, but from, from my point of view, the thing that comes after Superbase is AppRite. I don't know if this is like in, in numbers correct, but it, at least from, from my bubble, it feels like Superbase and AppRite are like the big names currently as an alternative to Firebase. So do you, could you like describe the difference between Superbase and AppRite for people like unsure what they should use? And I know, of course, you're from Superbase and you won't say that AppRite is the best thing on earth, but <laughs> there are probably some cool things about AppRite as well. Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, I, I have to say, I probably don't know enough about AppRite to actually give you a fair uh, comparison <laughs> there. I think, um, like from what I know, it's sort of a PHP-based project. I think also the database is... Not Postgres. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like some... a hybrid combination of yeah. SQL and NoSQL. So, yeah, I think short answer, you know, we're betting on the power of Postgres. Um, and I think if that resonates with you, then, you know, check out Superbase. <laughs> you also mentioned um, Postgres extensions before. Could you give us like three examples of like the most popular extensions? Um, I don't know if you have numbers, but from, from your feelings. Yeah, um, uh, PostGIS is actually a great one. Um, so geospatial queries. So if you're doing anything like um, geo-related, like any map kind of integrations, especially in mobile apps, right? That's very popular. So I think somebody did a tutorial on that. Um, yeah, oh, it was yeah me. I think Tyler. Oh, or, oh was it you? <laughs> there you go. Uh, check check out this uh, Simon guy. Uh, he's got a he's got a <laughs> tutorial on it. Um, was that PostGIS uh, specifically, or? Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, okay. I was using it and like, like some remote procedures oh, nice. and stuff going. Yeah, that was fun. Oh damn! Okay, we gotta we gotta. It was with uh, Ionic, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can we can uh, re uh, resemble that with React. That 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 be 100%. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, PostGIS is a great one. Um, I mean, I think there's one that's kind of enabled by default, which is like. Uh, PGNet, or it's just an HTTP um, communication layer for the database. Uh, so that actually is what powers um, the database webhooks, for example. So when you enable database webhooks, it's basically just um, a collection of, of um, extensions in the background where, um, yeah, I mean, PGCron cron is another one. I think that's a great one um, that's sort of uh, built in. Uh, and then, I mean, most recently, the the, the uh, PG vector, um, so mm, the, the, oh, vec yeah, the, the vector um, extension for kind of AI related workloads. Um, so again, you know, fully open source project kind of happened sort of by accident by someone in the community, <laughs> like sending an email where they were like, oh, hey, you know, can you enable this on like the hosted platform? That would be really cool. Uh, there's someone as Greg Richardson who now kind of leads the AI stuff at Superbase. So like, uh, it starts with an email, and um, yeah, I mean the the open source world is is pretty incredible. Yeah, you had like a whole launch week on AI stuff where some creators like Vadim from Not Just Dev and I also created AI stuff. That was that was totally fun as well. So there're going to be a lot of videos on that uh, as well on YouTube. All right, next question. I know on Firebase, there's Firebase hosting. So for some reasons, I sometimes use Firebase hosting to upload my like PWAO website. Anything like that planned for Superbase? No, not for the time being. And uh, the, the biggest thing is that there are a lot of providers out there who have a really, really good experience for this, right? And like to even just match up to that experience, um, that is a lot of work. The The other thing is that um, there was actually a time where you were able to kind of host websites on Superbase storage. Um, <laughs> and that actually almost landed us on, no, I think it actually landed us on a block list because people were hosting their spam. Um, oh, yeah. No, not actually their spam, their phishing websites. So they were hosting mm -hmm. their, like their 
bank phishing websites on oh. Superbase storage, like in the early days when we first launched the storage uh, product. Um, and I think like after um, the infra team spending, uh, I don't know how many hours of like getting the Superbase domain back off of like the block lists of like mm. all the big internet providers. I think the, you know, you, you have to be very, very careful about building a hosting product because people will host literally anything and everything mm. if they can. Um, and so I think there is no immediate plans um, in kind of focusing on this experience and making that really great. Because I think to make that really great, A, it takes a lot of resources, and then B, there are a lot of players out there and, you know, close partners um, of ours as well that do this really, really well. So I think mm -hmm. for now, uh, it's very much a partnership play. Yeah. Also, that's that's why we can't have cool things. Um, <laughs> I, I still remember when, when I think Fireship did a little tutorial on, on something using Pocket. Was it Pocket Base or what's the name of this like self-hosted mm, thing? And then, could be. Like people submitted so much spam and it crashed and like his Linode server and <laughs> it's just all uh, the same all the time. Anyway, uh, next yeah. question. I know you can self-host Superbase. But in the past, I've always seen Reddit posts about this pointing some like some negative light on this. Like, yes, you can it, but it's insanely hard to pull it off. I personally haven't tried it. I'm happy to pay $25 per month to have the backend of galaxies.dev hosted on Superbase, user authentication and all the fun that comes with Superbase. But if I wanted to self-host this, maybe for like you reasons, uh, some some laws, is it that hard? What's what's the current like? Like, be honest. What's the real state? Hmm. Is it hard or is it like realistic to do it? That you you caught me there because I actually haven't uh, set it up myself either. Um, that's a fair point. Uh, I know that we've focused on making that easier, and um, we've actually shipped like. Um, uh, what is it? Droplets. Which provider has the droplets? Uh, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean. Yes. So we've actually partnered with DigitalOcean on like um, making kind of the droplet hosting. So I think that is is fairly plug and play. You know, obviously that that sort of might be limited to to DigitalOcean. Um, but yes. So I know you know if you were to do something like. DigitalOcean droplet self-hosting, uh, it should actually be quite uh, straightforward. But yeah, I actually have to say I, I haven't vetted the self-hosting experience enough to confidently say that it is easy. Yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of your value proposition that you piece together all these things like the database, the go-through service. And yes, of course you can do this. Like... Uh, What's the saying? Linux is free if you don't value your time. And that's basically the same for Superbase, I guess. Yeah. All right. Um, these are most of my, my, my quick questions that I wanted to answer some. Um, probably the last one being uh, something a bit, a bit spicy because people always tend to ask this like, oh, this is, yeah, it's a cool project, but no real company is using this. Like, yeah, this is only for side projects. And, and then eventually you're going to move into something like real. Are real companies using Superbase? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, yes, I think they very much are. Um, I need to I need to be careful now in terms of like the logos that we can actually name. But I think, yeah, I think we can talk about like, so for example, one of the bigger ones uh, being uh, Retool, um, for oh, yeah. example. So Retool actually is um, a white label uh, on top of Superbase. So using the management APIs, um, Retool actually spins up um, Superbase databases on your behalf. So when you, uh, in Retool, I think when you spin up like a Postgres database uh, in Retool, um, they actually use the API to like spin up um, a Superbase project. So for example, I think there's actually a blog post um, about the announcement somewhere. Uh, so, you know, that is that is true. Uh, I'm, I'm not lying on that one. Um, <laughs> There are a couple larger kind of of these like enterprise um, things in the pipeline as well. Uh, but like some of them I, I can't talk about. Um, maybe some of the the ones I personally like, like Mobbin, 
um, you know, very much probably still considered a startup, but actually gotten some some really nice traction. Um, so Mobin Design, they they are um, sort of sort of like a screenshot database of like uh, apps. So to give you inspiration of like you know if you're building like mobile apps, um, and they actually based here in Singapore and you know started not too long ago and, what a and started on Superbase. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and it, it's 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 a great project. Um, you probably wouldn't call it an enterprise, right? But like it is a successful you know mm-hmm. high high traffic kind of high user um, based project. I think another one. Um, Pebbly as well. They, I think, they've grown to like an insane amount of users, like uh, a million users. One, seven, in, yeah, one one million or, users in seven months with Superbase. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Shotgun, Happy Teams, Epsilon. I mean, I don't recognize them as like the big brands, but they are also around for longer and already have their database. So there's not really probably a reason yeah. to migrate to Superbase for. I don't know. I mean, what. One thing that is interesting is like the whole um, vector database space, um, which is somewhat a shortcut into the enterprise world. So, you know, we got folks like uh, Mozilla when they built um, uh, when they built their like AI assistant on top of like um, the MDN docs. Uh, so they, they are using uh, PG vector for that, uh, like Superbase. You know, you like disclaimer. They are also an investor in in Superbase, <laughs> which actually is a bit strange if you think about it. I think they they didn't do that for for too long, or I'm not sure if they still do the investment arm of of Mozilla. But so you know, like maybe take that with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, obviously they they would be using their investment, but um, yeah, there's other kind of larger uh, players I think who are like experimenting with the the, the vector database mm-hmm. side of things. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, the revenue side of things is growing. Obviously, I can't talk about numbers here, but yeah. like that gives you an indicator as well as to that there are projects, you know, that are scaling and growing on Superbase mm-hmm. and are successful and 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 actually financially successful, so that they can pay us money, which is which is great and ideally where we where we want to right. end up more. I mean, technically, it's it's still kind of early days for Superbase. So if it was like 2020, you started 21, it's like the first real release, and, and now it's 24. Um, Firebase has been around a lot longer and everything else as well. So I'm excited to see yeah. where, where this uh, is going. Um, and we're still like, in beta, actually. Um, well, good really? point, actually, but well, yeah. <laughs> So like we're we're not even GA yes you know well maybe by the time this this podcast goes goes out we'll we'll know more but um, yeah I mean obviously there there are like certain things um, and I think in this launch week uh, we'll see a couple things so right now while we're recording this actually launch week uh, launch week X is is happening um, yeah I already and, saw some uh, updates to the studio and AI assistant role level security yeah. prompts. Um, there's probably going to be a whole lot more. What I'm curious about is uh, Superbase in combination with React Native. So when I reached out like a couple of months ago, um, you said there were some rough edges with Superbase and React Native. You probably noticed it yourself. I think it was mostly around authentication, uh, probably about something else as well. So how well does Superbase work with React Native right now in 2024? Yeah. I think uh, it's actually a really nice experience now. And, you know, I, I don't want to take too much credit because, like, there's <laughs> no. folks like yourself, Simon, and uh, or Simon, and, and Benedict as well, I think, who've been, like, great um, trailblazers, I think is, is, is a good word <laughs> to call it, um, to, like, actually sort of iron out those kinks. Um, and so when I focused a bit more on, on the React Native experience, you know, a lot of it was just kind of, um, putting all the pieces that you've already sort of figured out for yourselves and putting them together, A, you know, where we can, incorporating them into the client libraries, and then B, just, you know, like improving the documentation on um, a lot of these things. Um, and so I think now, like, yeah, I think you can you can very much build um, a great React Native application on top of uh, Superbase. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually hoping to maybe build like a a real life uh, application and actually like put it into usage you know not not like commercially obviously like build something open source 
um, as like a super base showcase, but something that actual people use, you know, that that's sort of my dream um, to actually have like a project that has a certain amount of traffic um, to like have like a real, real life test bed. Um, because every, you know, DevRel, every DevRel needs to have a dream. That's a thing like, and I, th I think actually the Vercel folks have, I, I admired them for, for, for a long time in how they did kind of the side project things, you know, next to like their day job. Um, and like, I'd actually would love to figure out something kind of, you know, similar at, at Superbase. Um, but, you know, obviously there's always inherently, if you have like monetized side projects, um, it's like an inherent competition to your job. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, so still trying to figure that out, like what that can look like. But obviously there is a huge benefit in running you know, an actual business on top of Superbase and having that experience, um, you know, rather than like oftentimes you just feel like an imposter where you're like getting started with Superbase, <laughs> you know, but then when it comes to running an actual business, like, eh, don't know about that. So, yeah. That's uh... yeah, I, I can I can definitely vote for that. So uh, I feel quite good about Galaxy's having Superbase as the backend. So it works really great for user authentication. Uh, we have of course subscriptions with Stripe um, using the webhooks. Um, oh no, we're using the storage for file upload. We have GitHub integrations and um, yeah, it it just really works really nicely. Uh, our front Anything end is for, for reference. It's well doesn't work so, or. Um, I think we had in the beginning some issues like um, I noticed at some point that the page was getting really, really slow and I had like, I don't know, 50 members or something. And I said, eh, that, that can't be true. Like that's, that's a problem here. And then we noticed that some graph in the dashboard of Superbase was like after two days of the period starts, I was already maxed out. I don't know. It was like CPU usage or something. I was like, what, what's going on? There's certainly something wrong. I um, and then we figured out that we kind of needed to cache something related to auth that we did like an auth check on every load of a page in SwelteKid and, mm. and we figured that out. And since since then, I didn't have any problem with Superbase. Um, it just works really, really gotcha. great. Like if, if members say something, they have a problem with their subscription, I can just quickly look them up. I can change their ID in, in the SQL database. It just, yeah, it, it just works really, really great. Um, but nice. in terms of... Uh, React Native, I still remember that one problem, especially is if you're using something like passwordless authentication, you get like an email with a link, you jump to your email provider, you click that link, and then you're in like a website, but you kind of want to be in your React Native application. Did you already um, improve that flow, which means you kind of need to use something like deep links or a URL scheme or uh, universal links? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's already in the docs. Actually, there is um, a video on it as well. Um, so yeah, there's a video on it uh, specifically for for deep linking. Um, you know, if you want to take it like even further, right? I think dynamic linking is sort of the um, where you use kind of both web links um, that then kind of act as deep links, right? So like, I think dynamic linking is a bit more difficult to set up, but yeah, it's like the standard deep linking to make like the auth, um, the passwordless auth work. Um, yeah, that's already in the docs and that, that should be uh, pretty straightforward now. Nice. And also about native authentication. So sign in with Apple, sign in with Google. I know there are two ways to do this. So one way is to open up a browser and like do the process in the browser and then come back to the app. Or that's actually the native way, which is like on Apple, it just opens this little bottom sheet or for Google, it's also... Which way works with Superbase? Yes, so both works. Uh, and actually the docs are uh, defaulting to the, the native experience. Um, now, I think the, so like I only tested this out with Expo and I think Expo specifically has a, um, like a library for kind of the native Apple sheet. Mm -hmm. So I'm not entirely sure if, it, if it's a bit more difficult if you're doing a bare React native. Um, but so the general flow is you basically have to use some library to use the native um, thing to get your um, token. But like once you have that token, uh, kind of everything works um, as, as documented. And so, yeah, we have it documented with Expo. Um, 
and the native flow both for like um, Apple and Google. So for Apple, uh, Expo has an official library, and then for Google, um, there is a community maintained library. And so we're now um, also uh, sponsoring the contributor, the maintainer. Mm. Um, who who's working on that because they've done some really great work there and um, yeah, so you know, no brainer. This there. definitely sounds like I should do a new project with React Native and, and Superbase in twenty twenty four. It it sounds yes. like you're totally ready now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're ready. Let's make it happen. Let's build something. <laughs> yeah, I, I build actually know. About, I, I think I think about I know about your dream and and what that application mm. could or might look like. So we're gonna talk about that as well. Um, we're already at an hour mark, so we're gonna wrap this up soonish. I would just like to uh, finish with two questions. So the one is a more personal question, and that is just. What do you personally like the most about Superbase? I mean, you're a DevRel and you've used pretty much every piece. And in the beginning, you said authentication was made a lot easier. But now, after like three, four years, what, what, what from your personal point of view, what, what's the coolest thing about Superbase? It's a good, good question. Uh, there's a lot of cool things. I think what, like, I my heart is sort of in the in the the the, the edge functions world, um, and I think the reason is because some of it is still quite experimental. Um, and like, I mean, the the guys working on, on the edge runtime, you know, there's like rust, deep, deep rust code. <laughs> I have like no idea what's going on, but it's just very inspiring to kind of see that kind of work um, happening. And, you know, it's all open source, obviously. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I really love that where kind of the, you know, we could have gone sort of the easy way of like, you know, just use some like the Cloudflare work engine or like some, you know, note or what have you kind of. Um, but I love that we sort of like, okay, no, we want to fig figure this out, open source um, experience. And we, we really like kind of what the, the Dino team um, was doing there. And so, yeah, I think personally, like my heart is, is sort of in that. That's so cool. I, I didn't expect that answer, but I can totally see it. And I actually watched one of your videos on um, setting up Dino environment and Visual Studio code. To be honest, I, I didn't completely get it. And like my whole mm. setup was completely messed up afterwards and everything was <laughs> wet, wet uh, underlines and ah, uh, oh Dino no. did not work. Expo did not work. <laughs> so, so many pros. So if you can like maybe do another tutorial on, on like the yeah. idiot mode for um, having a Dino environment next to my <laughs> React Native project, mm. uh, that would be really cool. Or to next to any other project for that. Um, and final, finally... We had the launch week 10 in December, which is happening right now as we record this. Um, but what is coming to Superbase in, in 2024? Um, I mean, you can't say everything. You're probably not even part of the teams that do all the magic. But do you have an idea where Superbase is heating in 2024 in terms of their priorities or things they want to like add to their services? Yeah, yeah. I think that's an exciting question and... Yeah, I mean the thing is like the rate of shipping nowadays is like it's just mind-boggling. You know, even internally to like stay up to date with everything that happens that's <laughs> happening is just um yeah, I think now nowadays actually this um this past launch week launch week X we had like a build stage and a main stage because now we're actually like shipping twice as much per week and <laughs> I think like after that we have like an advent calendar with like all the things that didn't make it into like the main stage and oh, the build nice. station. <laughs> um, so, but I think one thing that, that that's really um, exciting is like doubling down on the branching experience. Um, so mm. I think that's like some uh, something that you know just folks come to expect now. Um, sort of branching environments and you know that. Um, so there's some exciting work going on there. Uh, and also in, in the most recent launch week, um, it's been opened up to kind of everyone, um, you know, fingers crossed that that's actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so branching and um, the other part being sort of the, the serverless Postgres. So um, we're actually partnering with um, the folks at Oriole DB. And so these are like some hardcore low-level storage layer, you know, programmers um, that actually work on 
um, making the, the the storage layer of Postgres um, plug and play. Um, so that's something that you know Neon has has done, um, but mm -hmm. in somewhat a proprietary way. So um, you know the way they've done is it's 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 you know from what I understand it's not possible to merge it back into uh, the actual open source Postgres project. Okay. Um, and so what we've we've basically said, okay, these guys are working on kind of the same thing. These like, um, you know, to give you some context, what Neon does is kind of the the, the read on um, what is it called, copy on write um, sort of experience, where they actually like very quickly and cheaply switch out the storage layer of your database and also can like um, wake that up pretty quickly. So you get mm -hmm. sort of the different staging environments very cheaply and, you know, you can scale down to zero sort of all the yeah. like serverless, you know, all the truly serverless stuff. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so these guys are working on uh, upstreaming this um, approach of like the, 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 the decoupled storage layer um to the actual postgres uh open source project uh and you know that is a big big project with like 30 years of history so that um does take some time but yeah i think once that um lands that is that is quite quite exciting and then you will probably be out of beta in 2024 as well uh, <laughs> and maybe at some point also drop the line of being the superbase uh the open source alternative to firebase i mean yeah i I kind of feel those people like it was a good line in the beginning, but at this point I feel like Superbase is so much more. It's it's so different. It's it's having a different vibe. And if you like, yeah, if you maybe need it for SEO reasons, then okay. But otherwise, I feel like you you deserve a a new vibe of like this maker community and people just building cool stuff with Superbase. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, that was awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, where can people find Thanks more about you or Superbase? Any links that we should put in the show notes? Yeah, definitely link up the Twitters. Uh, so at Superbase. Uh, and then generally you can find me as uh, Thor Web Dev, uh, which is sort of my, my online persona. Um, <laughs> easy to remember. Uh, you know, although the web, you know, is somewhat fluent, sometimes I'm. I dabble in the mobile dev, uh, but yeah, just Thor <laughs> web dev. <laughs> yeah, I mean, web developers are also mobile developers these days, exactly. especially listeners to this podcast. So thanks for listening. If you want more guidance, uh, check out galaxies.dev, where at this point, uh, it's probably not yet the Superbase course release, but I definitely have it planned. It's on my roadmap. Um, so Superbase course will come to galaxies.dev very, very soon. Again, Thank you, Thor, for taking the time and catch you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Cool.